Hello, and welcome to another episode of Boundless Body Radio. I'm your host, Casey Ruff, and today we have another amazing guest to introduce to you now. Danielle Dame, or Danny for short, is a sugar freedom coach and speaker who is passionate about helping women reshape their relationship with sugar so they can reclaim control over their health and energy once and for all. Having struggled with a sugar addiction herself, she knows exactly how difficult and overwhelming the journey can be. Using her extensive knowledge in nutrition, personal experience, and coaching, Danny helps her clients discover a new way of living in which sugar cravings and guilt no longer control their lives. Danny has learned the power of eating real food and how building a few small, simple habits can drastically shift our health and life for good. She's passionate about empowering people to learn what works best in their unique body and life. She is also the host of the five-star rated Beyond Sugar Freedom podcast, which she started this year in 2022. Danny believes that you deserve to feel in control of your sugar cravings, that you deserve to love your beautiful body, and that you deserve to wake up full of energy every day. Danny Dame, what an absolute pleasure it is to welcome you to Balanced Body Radio. Thank you so much, Casey. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for the intro. As you're reading that, I'm thinking, I need to update that. Like, there's so much more to, to what I'm doing. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> so time for an update, but I know we're going to get into a lot of that today. So yeah, so excited to be here. I, I'm really, really grateful to, to have this conversation with you and your audience. Absolutely. It's such an honor to have you. I found out about you from another Danielle. We were doing a podcast on our sister podcast, which is all about how to make a podcast. And she, we're, we went through the top five podcasts that she's ever done. And you were on that list. And so we got to talk uh, about you and, and why that, that conversation was so special. And Boy, listening to your episode on her show, that is some Danny energy right there. Like that's a lot of Danny. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's a good kind of a lot of Danny. Yeah, we're we're really uh, uh, dear friends, and it's pretty amazing. Like we we kind of do very similar things and helping helping people with their addiction to sugar and blood sugar regulation, but but also very different. So we, we make a nice compliment to each other. And I've loved having her on my podcast and being on her podcast. I think we've, we've got some magic when we get together and have these conversations. So I'm, I'm glad that she mentioned me. I feel really honored. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I, I love that you mentioned that because yes, you're in the same space. And if somebody were to look at what you guys do, it's like, okay, you're both working to help people get off of sugar, which is fantastic. But it's like when I got my nutrition certification and I knew exactly what to tell people to eat and they just needed to eat X grams of protein and Y grams of carbohydrates and Y grams of, you know, fat and boy, it just didn't really work. You know, like we always needed to have Kleenexes, always need to have Kleenexes in the nutrition coaching office and everything that there is to know about nutrition doesn't really tell you all that much about the emotional attachment and all the difficult things that come along with that. And I'm, I'm really glad that you take that approach when you're working with your clients. Yeah, it's, it's definitely become a really big passion of mine. And I know, I know now without a shadow of a doubt, that's my purpose here and really, really becoming obsessed. I became very obsessed with like root cause, right? When we look at something like, you know, unhealthy patterns, whether it's with cocaine or sugar or, you know, unhealthy relationships. I mean, where do these actually come from? What is actually going on inside at an energetic mindset, beliefs, identity, like deep level. That's so much beyond just what's on our plate, which is of course important, right? right? The nutrition, what, what we're eating is actually, is definitely important. But if we want that to be something that is sustainable for the long run, we have to uncover, you know, what's going on there, right? Like what's keeping us reaching, you know, we can go. And I noticed this really quickly in my practice, the first couple of years of working with people, you know, I was really obsessed with like, okay, let's do the 30 day sugar detox. And here's what you eat. Here's your meal plans. Um, here's all the like, 3D reality things that you can do, right? Get your sleep, hydrate, like here's your plan. And, you know, they'd feel amazing and, you know, be 
totally this new person, you know, wanting to continue off sugar and maybe doing that for, you know, for maybe another 30 days or another 90 days. And then inevitably something would happen, right? There'd be a death in the family or just a really difficult, you know, situation come up or they get fired from their job or there's a pandemic, right? Or something happens because that's part of being human and our our planet is always evolving. We're always evolving. And that would immediately just trigger them back into you know, their old patterns. Right. So I noticed that in my own journey with sugar, it was, it was a roller coaster for a good two years of like giving up sugar and feeling great and then binging again, and then going, giving up sugar and then binging again. And it was like, what the heck is going on? Like, why can't I make this stick? You know, I'm building all these quote unquote healthy habits and doing all the things, um, that, that the, you know, the gurus say to do, and why isn't this working? Like, why can't it stick? So that's something that I really noticed is such a big missing topic and conversation, especially in the nutrition space. And especially when we talk about sugar, you know, most people out there and maybe a lot of your listeners are really focused on like the 3d pieces, right. Focus, which is, which is important. I'm not saying it's not, but I, I strongly don't think it is the most important. I think, you know, if we actually want to get off the roller coaster and stop dieting and and yo-yoing and, you know, the damage that that's doing to our self-confidence, our body image, our, our mind, obviously our cells, you know, is, it's just not worth it. So creating this like actual sustainable peace and freedom with food, with ourselves really has to start with peace and freedom within ourselves. And doing that healing work is difficult. Like you said, you got to always have the tissues handy, right? Like actually learning to feel again, learning to look at your traumas, learning to really go into these pieces are, it's so much easier to avoid. It's so great to just pretend that doesn't exist and focus on a sugar detox. Yep. So that's why a lot of people, myself included, really resisted it for so long until I started noticing that like this was the way to really having a lifelong, you know, um, healthy relationship with sugar and with food, with myself, with with my husband, with everybody, right? Yeah. And um, that that kind of you know was the beginning of this obsession with helping helping others who are ready to really do that inner work and. And taking that into the practice. So yeah, with Danny and I, I mean, she's very much on the and uh, very important side of, you know, how to, how to, how to eat, you know, what are whole real foods, the role of protein fat, you know, and, and, you know, uh, you know, getting, getting that out of the diet, the uh, sugars. And, and then I come in, you know, with that deeper piece. So like, let's make this a sustainable, let's change the way you actually show up in your life and what you believe about yourself yeah. and, and, and see that really shift to, to create lasting change. Mm. No, I love that. We need all of those pieces to be able to make this work. And I think so many yeah. people would rather face physical pain than they would emotional pain. It, it feels like it's yeah. so completely overwhelming and don't realize like it's really just about you acknowledging it and observing it that will help that pain to finally release so that you can move forward. And I think most people just rather numb out than face that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's also the patterning we've been taught right? We've never been given the skills, you know, for most people, there's the occasional human that, and if you're out there, like, congratulations, because you're rare, you know, where you were actually held in a space in your home growing up where it was okay to show emotions and you were supported in it and validated in your feelings. And like all of these things that we need as young beings to build a healthy relationship with our emotions and, and with pain, right? You know, we, we live, we definitely live very much in a world where we've, we've been taught that like pain is bad, right? And to avoid it because it feels horrible in the body. Like it's no fun. I'm not going to lie. Like this healing is like, is not fun, but it's also fun. You know, like there's, there's a side to like, you know, at least for me, there's a side to like, even when I'm going through some really dark times, which I I'm still evolving and I'm always like, I'm going head first into healing, um, you know, all my, all my stuff. So 
you know, we can still find the joy in that and we find the gratitude in that, but it, yeah, it's definitely, I love that old fable. I forget who, I forget who originated this and maybe you've heard it before of the, the, the old man with the dog on the deck. Have you heard this before? I don't think so. Okay. So there's this old fable of an old man, um, you know, who's sitting on the porch and he has a dog, his dog sitting next to him and his dog is yelping in pain, absolutely just writhing in pain and yelping. And this young, young man walks by and says, Hey, like your, your dog's in pain. What's, what's wrong. And the old man says, Oh, he's sitting on a nail. And the, the, the young man says, why, why doesn't he get off? And the old man says, cause it hurts too much. <laughs> and this is like, this really deep, beautiful understanding of how our brains work in our, our perceived opinion of the pain of change is often worse than the pain that we're in right now. And until we actually get into, and this is unfortunately where a lot of people, and I don't know if you see this in your practice, get to the point where, you know, we're forced into change, right? Whether we get diagnosed with, you know, cancer or someone close to us dies, or we start really, seeing that the pain of where we are right now is actually worse than our perceived pain of healing, right? Because we all have some sort of perceived pain of going in and say how painful it's going to be to, to heal your traumas or how painful it's going to be to, you know, get off sugar or to change the way you're eating and have to face your emotions. You know, we all have some sort of block around doing that work because we perceive it to be, it's going to be hard. It's going to be painful. It's going to be difficult. So until you know, we, we really kind of wrap our brains around understanding that that perceived pain is, is, is not true. And it's often a lot easier than we think. Right. So there's this interesting complex that goes on with pain. Like, you know, we, we, we often associate where we are now, even if we're in extreme emotional pain and disconnection and, you know, struggling with our bodies and, and feeling guilty and shameful because we can't stop binging on sugar. It's what we know. And our ego loves what we know, right? We're safe in what we know. I'm just going to stay here because I know how it works. And I know like, this is familiar. So that like that change piece, our ego will do everything in its power to make us not change because change, change could mean death. Like that's what our ego thinks. If I do something different, if I take a different route to the lake, I might get attacked by a bear and die, right? Like that's our primal brain there, right? So what we know is where we tend to stay, even if it's painful. And, you know, understanding that can sometimes be really helpful to, you know, understand why we're stuck where we are and have some compassion for that. Yeah, totally. No, about eight inches away from my head is my favorite book, which is called The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. Um, Yes, love that book. And it it goes right along with that fable that you're talking about. Like you have a thorn in your side, you could take it out or you could create a contraption to go over the thorn and then create more and more and more contraptions so that that you don't have to address the root cause. Like you said, like get the thorn out of your arm and everything will be fine. It's going to hurt, but at least it'll be over. But we do these, you know, mental and emotional gymnastics to not get to the root cause of those feelings. So that again, you're right. Like the ego just wants to know that everything is safe and secure. And we have a perfect explanation for things all the time in a world that's flipping out of control all the time in deep space that you have zero control over. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's really fascinating how, like when you start diving into the subconscious and our mindset and, and, you know, especially beliefs and the stories we tell ourselves when we start kind of diving into that, it's, it opens up such an awareness and you do have to be like ready for that and prepared for that. And, and I'm sure you would echo this Casey, you know, especially with this raw vulnerable work, right. Especially around the emotional piece, it's vital to get support. So whether, whether it's a coach or a therapist or, you know, a circle of really, really, really safe and supportive friends, um, really going through that 
in a way that you can feel held and supported is vital. Um, if you don't, you may end up re-traumatizing yourself, you know, in the loneliness and in the, in the struggles, right. And, and you'll get in your own way. I mean, that accountability piece and, and having support is so important because we, we go through life with our blinders on, right? Like we only see what's, what's in our belief systems and what's like right in front of us. So this is where like having some support, whether it's coach or therapist or, or somebody, right. To, help you see outside of that and help you start really integrating you know, maybe these things that are coming up, right? And and how to deal with these big emotions that start coming up, right? When the sadness from, you know, never really being loved from your parents starts coming up, you know, like how are you going to actually deal with that and be supported in that so that you're not, you know, getting into the the turning to food or turning to whatever, you know, to escape that. So really, really important. I just wanted to mention, you know, around that like community and support piece. Um, I at all times have a full team of supporters, right? I've got a mentor. I have a therapist. I have a coach. Like I have people, I have a medicine woman. Like I have different people, um, at different times so that I can always be leaning on, you know, in, in my journey. So anyone out there who's, you know, putting themselves on a pedestal, I think, you know, in terms of like, I'm a strong, confident woman and I can do it all myself. We need to start changing that narrative in a big way because we're actually hurting ourselves. We're actually doing more damage and, and, you know, struggling year after year and and feeling like we're the only ones in it. Yeah. This is why I love hosting my, my group programs. That's primarily what I do now. A few times a year, I host a group and we do this healing work together and it just blows my mind. I still just gives me goosebumps every time, you know, I see women on the first call going, oh my goodness, I thought I was the only one who had the shame or that hated her body or that struggled with, you know, not being able to stop eating at night, you know, like for some reason we think we're alone in it. And when we really start to be vulnerable and open up, we see that everybody's in it. Yeah. <laughs> everybody's in it with us just at different levels and different stages. Totally. Yeah. And I definitely want to talk about the support piece. I really like your most recent episode of your podcast where you talked about different sources of support, thinking like friends and family might be that source and oftentimes they're not. So I definitely want to make sure we cover that before we do. I want to know your, you, you mentioned it took you about two years to get over sugar. I want to know why, how, how, how did you decide that sugar was an issue in the first place? What, what things were you noticing in your personal life that made you say like, wow, I got to get rid of this stuff. Yeah, such a good question. So it was such an accumulation for me. And I guess like the the turning point that really started like light bulb momenting for me was um, towards the end of a a year long trip that my husband and I took in South America. And we were actually at this at this yoga retreat, completely living off the land um, in the middle of the Colombian jungle, which I do not recommend anybody do their first sugar (laughs) detox in that situation. Outhouses only. Let's just leave it at that. (laughs) But um, That was really where we did. We went through our like accidental sugar detox because we were living off the land as opposed to living off all the processed food that we had our whole lives. And we were eating super clean and very low sugar other than the fresh mangoes from the trees, super low sugar content. So good. So good. good. Like sign me up. I I wish I didn't live in Canada sometimes. I just want like a mango tree and an avocado tree. I'm good. I used to to live in Brazil and the mangoes that would fall from the sky were just like, oh, blow up in your face. Anyway. Yeah. So So good. good. Yes. Um, so we were, we were there and, and exactly that situation really lined us up for like detoxing from sugar. So that, that experience was very, at the time I had no idea what was going on. You know, this is all hindsight. Right. And, you know, we, we felt like absolute garbage and headaches and I couldn't sleep and just tired all day, even though literally most of our day was just laying in a hammock. So why am I tired? But, um, the yoga as well, right. The one, the one yoga class every day, (laughs) but, um, you know, I really started 
in that moment, really starting to wonder, you know, combined with the year of actually watching how people in South America connect with their food at a different level, I was really starting to have those, those thoughts around, wow, like we have no idea at home here in Canada, you know, where our food comes from. Most people don't cook at home, you know, and like don't buy their food at the fresh mar- farmer's market. Like the markets in South America are just like my happy place. I want to go amazing. back. Yeah, amazing. Did you know there's like 20 different types of avocados? I didn't oh, know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, it's amazing. Different types of bananas you've never seen before that are so yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. So I really started having these, these, these thoughts around like how I was nourishing myself and how, uh, how I wasn't nourishing myself. Right. And started kind of understanding real food versus totally fake food and, and what that was doing. And it just started this thought process for me, you know, um, in terms of my, my genetic, you know, future, you know, I look at my, especially my mom's side of the family is absolutely riddled with every single chronic disease everything. You know, my grand, I I have no grandparents anymore. They've all passed away from cancer, heart disease. I never met my grandpa. He passed away before I was born from heart attack. Um, there's Alzheimer's, there's obesity, diabetes, like literally all of these chronic diseases are like, are there waiting to pounce, you know, in my genes. And, you know, I really started looking, especially at like my mom's addiction to sugar and her state of her health and really starting to, put together that if I kept eating the way that I was, even though I've always been very active, I've always been very fit. You know, I'm a soccer player. I love to run. I like love being outside hiking and, um, you know, looking after the fitness side of my body. But when it came to nutrition, I was becoming really dependent. And I started noticing I was really dependent on these junk foods that were, you know, the more I was learning about nourishing myself, the more I realized, wait a second, like this is actually going to lead me to that type of future, right? When I look at my mom, I look at, you know, her siblings and, and, you know, my family in that way. And I had that, that, those moments. I mean, it probably wasn't one moment. It was over a couple of weeks, right. That I was like, wait a second. Like, I do not want that. I do not want that. Like I want to live my best life. I want to be doing, you know, backcountry hiking when I'm 90 and going traveling. And like, I want my body to be able to support like living life to the fullest, not being, you know, wheelchair bound, you know, when I'm 60 and not able to do anything. Right. So I really started putting that together for myself and where the sugar piece really came in, even outside of just the processed food and the junk that I was eating was you know, when we came back from that, that accidental detox in Colombia, about two weeks later, we actually came home to Canada. And I noticed, I noticed a very huge physical change in my cravings. And it got me really curious because I had, I had created this whole list of things that I could not wait to eat. When I got back to Canada, there is no Starbucks. I wanted my caramel frappuccino. I wanted a bagel with cream cheese. I wanted Twizzlers, like all the things I could not get in South America. When I came home, I remember like looking at that list and nothing really like, I didn't want it anymore. I was kind of like, oh, that kind of sounds gross. And I actually did have that caramel frappuccino, I think even at the airport in Vancouver on my way home. And I remember it tasting disgusting. Like my taste buds had started actually adjusting. And I had that moment of like, what? Did they change their recipe? Like what happened here? Um, So I really started to just in my body, notice this change in cravings and noticing this change in my taste buds. And that I would say was really the biggest, um, the biggest piece that really started getting me curious about sugar specifically. And I noticed really quickly that sugar had control over me. Like sugar was this thing that had control over my decisions, maybe over my future health. 
And I'm someone personally that just loves, and this is actually something that I'm working on letting go of, but my, my upbringing was something that, uh, I love being in control. Like I love having control of things and situations, um, to an unhealthy amount, which is something that I'm very much healing through and working through. There's reasons for that. But in that moment, I had that like understanding that sugar was controlling me and I was not in control of like my eating and my health. And that was a big motivator for me just with my personality. That was a big piece for me. I was like, wait a second, something has a control over me. Like, oh no, that's not happening. We're changing this. So that's where I started kind of getting really fascinated. My husband and I actually at that time went vegetarian, which didn't, didn't last long. Actually lasted about a year. Um, went vegetarian, got off sugar, like just started wanting to get back into our, our, our lives, right. And our bodies and, and noticing how our energy changed and how our cravings changed and just how much lighter we started feeling. I mean, all of these things, you know, at the same time as sort of learning, I went, I was starting nutrition coaching schooling and started learning about, about sugar at a more like actual nutritional level. So all of that just spurred into really starting that journey for me and, and starting the roller coaster of, you know, the, the two or three years that it took me to really get back in the driver's seat. And, um, yeah, it was, it was quite a, quite a, a fun ride. We'll say that, but it's <laughs> an accumulation like... of, of many things that sure. really kind of sparked for me and kind of lined up to, to, to really integrate in my brain and those, those, those light bulb moments, one here, one there, one there, and they all kind of came together. And I really understood that this was a problem. And, you know, looking back at my childhood, like the overdosing on sugar that I've done my whole life, I was like, oh, this makes sense. This makes a lot <laughs> totally. of sense, right? Totally. It <laughs> I is see a, it now. <laughs> it is amazing when you experience your taste buds changing though, because you're, you're right. It feels like they changed the formulation on you or something, but it, you realize like walking through even like the bread aisle, it, it smells gross. Like you get some of those scents, like Cinnabon, it doesn't smell the same like it used to when I was a kid. And like your taste buds really do change after a little while. And I'm really curious, what was your experience like in nutrition school? Were they, t were they like, you know, educating you guys exactly on all the harms of sugar is, or, or did they kind of dance around that? And is that something you had to go research on your own? Yeah, such a good question. So no, they didn't dive into sugar. I remember, you know, just learning about the macronutrients, right? And like, and I think there was maybe like, a, it was either like a page or like one paragraph on sugar, right? Like specifically, right? In the carbohydrate section, right? Like what's the fiber and what's the, what's the starches and what's the sugars. And so that was really something that like was, was definitely, you know, a, a a spark for me and like, Oh, there's something here. And obviously in my own body at that time, experiencing like what was going on. And then I went and did my own study, right. Learning from other experts. And I have been, you know, over the years, I'm, I'm constantly, you know, trying to, trying to continue learning because obviously science is always changing and we're always learning. Um, but yeah, unfortunately that wasn't, that wasn't really something that was covered deeply. And, you know, the textbooks that I was actually using, I think were quite old. Mm. Um, and that's, you know, one of the limitations with schooling, I'd be curious about your experience as well, Casey, but you know, that these textbooks and things just, they just don't get updated fast enough with the research that's coming out and with the changes that happen, like changes happen happening so quick, you know, on our planet all the time that it's, it's really, I guess it could be hard or stumbling block for schools to, to even keep that updated. Right. And, and side tangent, you know, how much of that is actually, you know, politically influenced, right. From the food industries and from, so we never really know what's going on with these textbooks, you know, and, and, uh, let alone the food pyramid. That's a conversation for another day, but <laughs> 
totally. Yeah, no, no yeah. you're right. I think I think the cool thing about 2022 is that people can find things like your podcast. They can find, you know, Google search. And yeah, it might take a little while to get to the right information, but there are good people putting out those that good information where you're right, textbooks may be completely outdated. Food guidelines may be completely not based on science. Like, like you don't have to necessarily go to the traditional powers that be in 2022, you can find some of the grassroots movements and people saying like, no, we tried that. It didn't work. Here's what we have for you. And, and so in your study, what what was it about sugar specifically that made people become obsessed or addicted to it where broccoli didn't necessarily have the same property or a steak never really had that same thing? What is it specifically about sugar that fixes people? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Okay. That's a big question. A really good question. Cause there's a couple pieces So first of all, there's obviously the very physical pieces with sugar, right? The very, very much like what's going on in our body when we, when we ingest sugar, right? We, we've now seen and know, you know, how much it just immediately lights up our brain, right? Giving us this supercharged dopamine hit, very similar to the dopamine hit we get from, from cocaine, right? Really activating those pleasure centers in our brain and, and telling our body, give me more of this, right? Like this is, this is it. We found it. We found it. So (laughs) dopamine, dopamine, like the, like, um, you know, like the slot machine or like opening your phone and seeing a a notification or it's that quick. Totally. Right. Yeah. Quick hit, quick hit. Yeah. Quick hit. And and this is kind of, um, you know, we can talk a little bit about dopamine, but there's a, there's a side here piece here that I think is really important for people to understand because we've, we, we now live in this world where we are constantly, um, stimulating those receptors in our brain and getting these abnormal, huge doses of dopamine that actually don't exist in nature. So things like exactly, this is exactly how social media has been designed, right? How the news has been designed, how like, movies are designed and we're constantly being overstimulated the processed food like this part of our brain is constantly firing and 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 overproducing if we think about actual natural sources of dopamine like sitting and watching a sunset right or cuddling or you know um you know having a really great chat with a friend or enjoying a good cup of tea these things that like for most people would probably sound super boring because our receptors have been artificially enhanced to expect level 1000 of dopamine. So we're no longer like our, our receptors in our brain are no longer balanced to actually feel real sources of joy anymore. So this is where a lot of people get stuck around like giving up sugar. They're like, well, there's not ever going to be joy in my life without sugar or my phone or Netflix, right. Or whatever it is because they've lost that ability to actually even feel in our body, like actually energetically feel the joy from sitting and, and, you know, actually yesterday I was out camping and there was a, there was a deer wandering around my tent while I was packing up and she was totally not scared of me. She was really friendly. And I just like took a moment and we like, I gazed and it was just such a beautiful wow. moment and it gave me such joy. And, you know, years ago that wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have felt anything. I would have just been like, Oh, that's cool. Right. And like continued about my day. So we do have to go through this period where we like wean our dopamine centers off of this high dopamine hit. And I'm still working on it. Don't get me wrong. I sometimes I struggle with the putting the Instagram down. Like I'm not perfect, but, um, you know, it's really important to understand that this is like, that's not true that you can't feel joy from these small things in life, right? Like being out in nature and, you know, all these beautiful things that, that can give us that hit and to feel that joy. It's just a matter of kind of detoxing from the huge hits so that your, your body can actually get back into balance and you can start to feel, feel those joys again. So 
that's a really big piece that's going on, right? We've been, uh, you know, our brains have been hijacked with sugar and all the other things. But this this makes it difficult, right? To to feel like, you know, we can live life without sugar, uh, let alone, you know, the, the impact that it has on our gut, right? In, in increasing inflammation, causing just gut damage, uh, feeding our, our quote unquote bad gut b- bacteria, which which then, you know, cycles back as we know now the, the gut brain, you know, connection, right? Cycling that up into, into mental health issues, right? Depression, anxiety, you know, um, all of these things really linked to, to whatever is going on in our gut. So we're living this life of really constantly every day, damaging our gut with coffee and processed food and vegetable oils and, and sugar, right? And it's leading to how we feel about ourselves. And then the, the worse we feel, the more we want to eat that crap, right? So we're stuck in this kind of this, this physical craving cycle that, that can make it really difficult, right? Yeah. Can really make it difficult. You have to have support and a plan and commitment really, and be ready to, to, to wean off, right? Like to, to go through the withdrawals yep. and to, to physically be prepared for that and supporting your body in that, right? Which is, um, you know, not as scary as most people think. Yeah. I think people, you know, we always make it so much bigger than it is. Like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have a headache for a month. You know, no, no, you probably won't. Yeah. You'll be okay. Like, you'll totally be okay. Totally and you'll be big. so happy that you did it, right? But yeah. that mental hurdle is so hard to get over. So yeah. it's just, you know, Cole's notes on the physical side. And then I'd say, you know, I, I really strongly believe that it's actually the mental emotional stuff that's the hardest, you know, when it comes to addiction, because sugar specifically is, so ingrained in every single part of our society, everything, right. Has sugar linked to it. Every single emotion, every social gathering, every day at the office, you know, it's how we've used to show and receive love. It's like so tied in to all of these nuances, you know, in our family gatherings, our rituals, our holidays, our, you know, just you know, let's, let's go out for coffee and a, and a scone, right. With your friends. Like it's so ingrained in our lifestyles and it, it almost takes this willingness to be the black sheep. And I've, I've always been the black sheep. I love it. I totally embrace it now. It's easy for me, but for most people, it's not easy to be different. Right. And you, you kind of have to get ready for that because you're going to be the weird one in your family if you give up sugar, right? And if you eat healthy, I have so many clients. That's why I just recorded that that episode and released that episode of my podcast because so many people are in that experience where their family and friends don't get it. And they're like, why are you so healthy? Or why are you giving up sugar? You're crazy. Just have one, right? We're constantly being tempted and pushed to fit back into the societal norm, right? Fit back into the container of like how, how, how the quote unquote world works, right? Don't be different. So it does take an extra skin and, and commitment to really um, know how to navigate those situations and be willing to navigate those situations and to be able to look at where are these patterns, like where are you using sugar, right? To escape, to numb, to fit in, you know, to soothe, to, to, to feel loved, you know, all of these really deep pieces that, that are difficult, right. Are difficult to look at and difficult to repattern. And I think that, that for me feels like one of the biggest places, you know, the physical pieces, you know, you can, you can deal with in 30 or 60 days, right. Your body can get back to, to feeling really great. You know, you can heal your body by, by going through that, but this inner stuff takes years. Yeah. It takes years. I'm not, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. it. It does. It takes, I've, I'm six years there. in and there's, you see, I it? see you, you, there. Saw it. you got it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it takes time, you know, six years in and, and it's, 
I, there's no end for me. I mean, this is my new addiction is really improving myself and, and growing and learning and, and connecting more with myself. So it's, it's always evolving and it's gotten so much easier. It's, it's, I love it now. I love it when things come up that are opportunities for me to grow and heal through. And there's always something, yeah. there's always a new layer, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm really deeply diving into some inner child stuff this year, which is, which has really opened me up in a, in a, in a scary way, but I'm, I'm, I'm game for it. I've got the support for it. So yeah. That's amazing. Important. It's nice to go through that process of, of purification and yeah, it, 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 you know, stores with pain. And so it's going to come out with pain, but once, once it leaves, you, you do feel lighter, you feel clearer, you feel so much yeah. better. I, I'm wondering if you notice certain patterns with your clients, the people you work with, where, where did sugar and, and the emotional side of things first get attached? Is it typically childhood trauma? Is it something else that normally happens? Yeah, that's such a good question. Yeah, I would I would say definitely for the most part it's it's childhood, right? It's through habits and patterns in the household and and through trauma responses. So especially with the emotional piece, I see I see a lot of and this was me, right? That you know, a lot of um most most people, most children, right? The the parents using sugar or food to help their child through quote unquote, like difficult emotions. Right. So I'm, I'm out, you know, learning to walk or, and I fall down the stairs or I'm out and I fall down and scrape my knee and I'm bleeding and crying. Right. And you know, the, the parent's response is, you know, Oh, hush, hush, stop crying. Number one, stop feeling an emotion is the Mm, message. Like it's not safe to feel here. Number two, let's get you out of it as quick as possible. Let's go have an ice cream. Right. Or how would I make you a snack? right? Like this immediate go-to to, to soothe, right? So we develop that pattern and we also develop that attachment, emotional and energetic attachment to the sweetness from our mother's breast milk. So from the first time we breastfeed, we relate sweetness with comfort and connection and love and safety and survival, right? So at our core, those are like the tastes that first come into our life and we start connecting emotionally with, oh, okay, this is, this is where I'm safe, right? And this is where I'm held. So, you know, this, this sort of emotional patterning happens very early on, right? And, and very quickly, and we're not, and I feel like this is obviously any parents out there who are listening to this that are in this pattern, please do not guilt or shame yourself. Like just take this information and start applying it because we are just learning this. Like this feels like over the last decade, this is really just becoming new information. Our parents had no idea that this, they were trying to survive, right? They were trying to make us stop crying so that they could get back to making dinner and doing all the things, right? So, and, and raising the six kids and trying to survive, you know, in, in the times that they had, right? So we, they didn't know the implications of really ignoring us or, or telling us to stop feeling an emotion or, you know, sending us to our room, you know, when we're having a hard time sending us away and disconnecting us as opposed to actually being in connection, you know, in those moments. So, we start to develop a lot of these belief systems, a lot of these core wounds, which are traumas, you know, the feeling of, of being disconnected, the feeling of not being heard, seen and validated. This was a big one for me, not really feeling validated in my emotional expression or in myself and being kind of pushed aside. So there's all of that energetic stuff in those first like seven years of life, when we're really at the mercy of our parents for survival, we start to learn like what is safe and what's not safe to do, right? For our survival. And that was important at the time. It helped us survive. But now we're adults and we still have all these patterns, right? Where it's it's not a real thing anymore. We can totally survive on our own if we had to. It's not ideal. But, um, you know, we don't need those anymore. So we need to go back and start looking at that and looking at those connections. And for most people, most of my clients, 
can really start to go back and have these memories of, oh yeah, my mom always baked me cookies, you know, or, or we would always bake cookies together. And it was such a, like, it's the first time I've, or the only time I ever felt love from my mom. Right. Or like we can have these, like these memories and these, these connections with the emotions that we felt, um, or the emotions that we like didn't get to feel. Right. I know a lot of my clients as well, like emotions were just not something you ever talked about. You weren't allowed to right. talk about them. Right. It was like, everybody's good. Nothing's wrong. Right. Like just put a brave smile on, you know, you're not allowed to, not allowed to feel, don't upset your parent. Don't upset your dad. Right. Like there's a whole lot of that kind of messaging as well to kind of keep the peace. Right. Which is, you know, convenient. And obviously at the time, you know, that's what we thought worked, but now we're noticing, right. And really recognizing the damage that that does when we don't allow the energy of emotions to actually be expressed in a safe way. So now we don't have these skills, right. We don't know, like when I'm angry, what do we do? Right. Like what, or when a sadness comes up, like, what do I do? Right. I guess I get a box of ice cream and, and some wine. Right. I guess that's what the movies tell me to do. So I guess that's what I should do. Right. So that as well, you know, it's, it's the, the, the young years in, in parenting and obviously into adolescence as well, where we really don't know who we are. Right. And, and like having friends is our survival. Right. And then we bring in obviously the media and movies and our societal pressures and just all of those influences, you know, with how sugar is used and ingrained. And it just kind of solidifies those, those patterns. Sure. You mentioned skills, which I think is so important. What, what types of skills do people need to be aware of when they're first getting started with some of this? Cause this can feel extremely overwhelming or it feels like, wow, I'm throwing my mom away. If I'm throwing away the memory of your know, homemade cookies, it's not, it's, it's just something that happened. It was an event. It's past. All it is now is a, is a fragment of your memory. You know, how, how, what, what do people need to do? What kind of skills can they develop to start to address these things? Yeah. Yeah. I guess such a good question. The the first skill I would say is, is willingness, like willingness to look at these things, right? Like you have to first be absolutely willing to, to question, right. And, and, you know, have these conversations with yourself or a friend or a coach or your journal, right. And actually be starting to get curious. Uh, That would be the, the biggest, like second skill I would say is like really embodying curiosity the more we stay in curiosity, the less we stay in guilt and shame. Because that is like, that's our go-to. It's like, oh my goodness, this pattern developed from, you know, this place. And then we start feeding that into our cycle of, well, it means I'm a horrible human being and I must be broken and there's something wrong with me, right? So we need to get out of that. And we're not ever going to heal from that energetic vibrational space. And we need to get into curiosity, right? Just being kind of curious, like, oh, like, you know, how did that show up in childhood? And oh, like, how am I using sugar today? And just starting to be curious about, you know, just thinking back, where did that come from? Like, when was the first time I felt that? Or when was the first time that I noticed that, you know, I, I always bake cookies for this person or or what have you. So curiosity and that willingness are really important, like, you know, internal skills to really start cultivating in your life, right? Starting to ask why, starting to just ask questions without judgment and knowing that, you know, we're, we're all imperfect and that's, what makes us perfect, right? Like we've all got something, myself included. I'm, I'm definitely still working on lots of things. So building that. And then I would also say the skill of sitting in silence is big. This is a big one that I'm really tapping into, especially the, the, the clients that I've been working with the last year and in my own journey is we cannot hear our true selves when we are living busy lives. And we are all living busy lives. So we have forgotten to pause. And what is happening is we are being trained out of ever trusting ourselves. 
So what we're doing is literally looking to everyone else, doctors, the government, the medias, movies, food companies, these podcasts, books, YouTube, we're constantly outsourcing our ourselves and our decision-making. And what I'm really passionate about is helping people reconnect with their, their inner knowledge, right? You can call it your intuition, your gut, your higher self, your spirit, whatever you want to call it. But essentially it's this really deep knowing and truth of like who you are and what works for you. Right. And this is where so many people, and like you mentioned earlier, we do live in this really cool age where we're not relying on the government, thank goodness, to tell us what to eat and what not to eat anymore. But we can then become so easily overwhelmed, right? There's so much information. There's people, you know, even in the sugar addiction space, there's people saying different things, right? And different pieces. So the way through that is actually listening to yourself. Like you'll know in any moment if what somebody says, if what I'm saying here is connecting with you or not. And there's no one right answer. If I don't connect, if you're not connecting with what I'm sharing, no problem. Like move on and find that that person or that message that does resonate with you. So how can we learn to really trust ourselves again, right? And trust our inner voice that ultimately always knows what's right for us and always has the answer. And we have to make room for stillness and silence, not just, you know, sitting, listening to music, right? Like this is a big piece. Most of us don't have any silence in our day. Even when we sleep, maybe there's noise going, right? So really starting to cultivate that habit, skill, whatever you want to call it, of having some time in your day where you are just with yourself. And most people will feel a whole lot of terror and resistance to that fact because it is very uncomfortable to be with yourself if you have never done it before. And it's also absolutely amazing and beautiful once you actually start building that relationship with yourself. But having that space for your inner voice to to talk to you or to communicate, and it cannot happen when there's music on and podcasts on and the TV on and people yelling at you and your kids running around, it has to be in this, in this quiet space. So this is where obviously this huge movement to more people meditating and more people hopefully getting out in nature and all of these beautiful things is, is really important. And you can cultivate that in your own way. I mean, you can literally have lots of clients who just go sit out on their deck in the morning with a cup of tea. Right. And just sit with nature and, you know, spend 10, 15 minutes there just to start their day with themselves and listening to themselves. So that I'd say is a really important skill. I would say that's probably the first place to start for anyone. And, and when you notice the resistance, journal about it. Why is it scary for you to sit with yourself? What are you afraid you're going to learn? Most of us are terrified. We're going to, we're going to learn something about ourselves or some truth is going to come out. We're going to have to think about that time that that person hurt us. We're going to have to feel that again. And yeah, we do. We do have to do that. That is how we get through this. That is how we heal through this is, is by getting these things out of our body again and, and no longer keeping the lid on, right? Like we're, we're all this, this, you know, can of soda, right. That's just like been shaken with the lid on and just gets shaken every year, especially the last two years, we've all been shaken a lot. And we, we need to make sure that we have a way to release that in a healthy way. Right. And learning those skills as well, which, which are nuanced and different for everybody, but learning, you know, how to really support yourself in that. So I'd say those are the the most important um, skills. There's so much, yeah. there's so much that we can do, but I think it, it's all about how you approach it, the willingness, the curiosity, and, and that, that, that learning to really sit with yourself, have a practice every day. It doesn't have to be formal meditating, right? You can literally just sit on your deck with a cup of tea and 
be with yourself, yep. right? And be present with that. Yep. No, I love that you mentioned silence specifically because that's that's such a challenge for me. And even before this interview, like an hour before this interview, my phone was about to die. So I had to make a choice. Do I crush another two or three episodes of your podcast or do I take my phone inside and let it charge? So obviously I had to let the phone charge, but, but sitting there with like no phone and nothing to do, it's a little bit uncomfortable for a little while. You forget like every 10, 15 seconds, like, oh, let me check. Oh, nope, I can't. Well, let me, I'll play. Oh, nope, I can't do that. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. how much time we yeah. spend, you know, and it's not necessarily a bad thing to listen to lots of podcasts and books and no. music that you love, but we do it all the time. And I see that in my life all the time. I never have a moment where I'm not doing anything, not just not doing something, but not listening to something and allowing that silence. Yeah. Well, there's your homework, Casey. Oh. <laughs> and welcome to the club. Oh, this is so like, uncomfortable. This is our, this is, <laughs> that's okay. I can support you with it, <laughs> but it's, it is really important. And it it is, I thank you for sharing that. Like it is really uncomfortable. We've all gotten in this habit where we like our phone is our third arm. Right. And even if you're like on the bus or yeah, sitting, waiting for someone, I still struggle with that too. I noticed that too. Like, oh, I want to grab my phone. Um, I actually just got back uh, at the time of recording this, I just got back late last night from a four day yoga retreat where I like totally disconnected from my phone. I totally, um, yes, I did take some videos and photos and stuff, but I, it was, it was just so freeing to kind of have that little like digital detox. And that might be something anybody relating with this. I know we're kind of now we're talking about technology, but it's all related, right? Yeah. Cause it, it does pull us in. And what is actually happening is it's actually pulling us out of ourselves, right? We're no longer then present with ourselves. And we've gotten so out of the habit or, or out of even knowing how to be bored, right? And this is a big trigger for a lot of people to eat. Like, oh, I don't know what to do with myself. I better eat. That was a big one for me. Like boredom was one of my biggest triggers, emotional triggers for food. It was like, ah, uh, like I'm, I'm bored and lonely, right? Like, what do I do? I'm going to eat. So it's a practice. Like it's one of those, like, it's like a muscle. It's like building a muscle, right? This, this ability to just like be at peace, you know, sitting, waiting for the bus for five minutes, yep. like just observe, listen to the birds, yep. focus on your breath. Like, you know, just take a minute. And I think that this is a huge contributor as well to the huge rise in anxiety and mental health disorders that we're having as well, because totally. we're, we're so, we're so ungrounded. We don't know who we are. We're afraid to be alone or without our phone. And we're just constantly in this state of anxiety, you know, scrolling through Instagram, getting dopamine hit, dopamine hit, dopamine hit, you know, and, um, it's really, yeah, it's really perpetuating that, that vicious cycle of, you know, eating and, and trying to cope, right. We're all just trying to figure it out. And, you know, the answer is actually really simple and, and it's really about coming back into yourself and spending more time like in, in, in stillness yeah. right? and, and in silence, if you can, right. I love that. I love that. I think of my annual backpacking trip where you go to a place where you don't have a signal anyway. Yeah. And so you're not using your phone and you start to tune into all these things around you that a lot of them can kill you at any moment. If a boulder rolls down a hill or a bear eats you or crazy ass lightning storms would get up there. Uh, it, but, but, but you, you learn, you learn that every, everything is already kind of going. Life is being lived all around you and you get to appreciate it a little bit more when you're not constantly distracted. So I absolutely love that you made that point. I, I definitely want to go back to support. I think this is so important and I love that this is your line of work and you get to offer this to people. And again, we think of people like friends, family, the people closest to us, they're going to be so more than willing to help us on our journey and they will do anything that we ask them to. And that is often not the case, is it? No, 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 very, very rarely. 
Um, and it's such like, it's such interesting. Cause I, you know, I approach everything in my life now as like a learning lesson. And I see everybody in my life as just a mirror showing me, you know, some of the, like showing me how I'm showing up and, and what maybe I need to work on. So, you know, I've, I've developed that view and it really serves me, but it's, it is really fascinating to notice exactly that. Like where are our expectations going into this? First of all, expectations are the root of all suffering. <laughs> I, I definitely believe that, uh, miscommunicated or uncommunicated expectations, I should say, but yeah, we, we go around expecting expecting like, oh, my husband's going to be really supportive or my kids are going to, they're all going to do this with me. We're going to go off sugar together. Right. And that's usually not the case. And you know, what I see going on here, so many things, obviously um, I just recorded a deep dive episode on this, but I, I really think it's important to highlight that, you know, this journey that we're all on is our journey and we have to start, you know, unraveling our codependency in a big way that we have with our friends, our family, our husbands, our spouses, our, our kids, right? And expecting them to do what we want to do, right? And this this really is coming back to our, our own connection with self, our self-confidence and being like, okay, I'm going to do this for me. And I don't need anyone else. Yes, we can we can need support. We can need things from other people, but we can also stand in our own decision, right? And this is where like really being in our power is important, being like, I'm going to make this decision for me and I hope my family and friends are going to be supportive and I'm going to do the best that I can do to communicate what I need in terms of support. And, and if they're not going to support me, then I'm going to navigate that in a different way as well. Right. I mean, there's, it's, it's so nuanced for everybody, but it is really important to recognize that most people are not where you are right now, right? You got to the place where you were so in so much pain or so ready to just finally feel better, get off sugar and not be, you know, at the mercy of this, this toxic substance anymore that you want to go on this journey. Doesn't mean that everyone around you is at that same spot, right? Everybody's on their own journey and their own timeline and their own different place in life, right? So it's very rare and very lucky if your husband's also on board, right? Or your family's all going to do it with you. But don't let that be something that deters you. I know a lot of a lot of people are like, oh, I'm just going to wait for my husband to, to be ready, right? Or I'm going to wait for, and you're going to be waiting forever, right? This is like, that's codependency right there. Like you don't need him or, or them, right? You can totally do this on your own and you can totally manage. I know this because I've seen hundreds of women do this and I'm, I'm sure you have as well, Casey, right? Like we can't wait for someone else to be ready because we'll we're just essentially doing ourselves a dis- disservice in that, right? And we may be waiting years, right? And then there's going to be resentment in that relationship and it's just going to create toxic energy in any of those relationships. So going in, not expecting that, right? And also, you know, yes, to some degree, I mean, we should be able to expect our friends and family to at least like support us and encourage us, right? But the reality is mm-hmm. that most people don't realize they think they're supporting, but they're not, <laughs> they're not right. There's a, there's a really big, um, you know, subconscious phenomenon going on when we change, it really triggers everybody around us. It may trigger. And it's really, really common. I see this in like 90% of my clients that it's triggers your friends and family, because when you get healthy, it shows them that they're not right. And this is very subconscious, subliminal ego stuff, right? Like when you change, it threatens their survival, right? And it threatens their view of you and themselves. And they might start judging themselves, right? And they might start judging or, you know, worrying about their health and and seeing you do this amazing thing for yourself and really honor your health in a big way is, can be inspiring, but most people actually get stuck instead in the like, trying to, trying to pull you down mode. And this is all very subconscious. Even if your friends and family are, you know, saying, saying all the right things, 
But then on in the second breath saying, oh, don't be so strict or just have one. Or I have a client whose family is constantly telling her she's too healthy. Stop being too healthy. Come on, live a little. And like these sorts of things, right? That are just like coming from love, but misguided love, right? And they can really affect us, especially in the beginning of your journey, right? In the first couple months of really doing this healing work and maybe getting off sugar, you're really self-confident, right? Or self-conscious, right? You're not sure if you're doing it right. There's a lot of like, you're not really grounded in like, yeah, I'm doing this. And this is my new self, right? There's, there's a lot of uncertainty and it's really important to surround yourself with people who like are going to support you in that. And if you notice people aren't, there's a couple things you can do, right? You can commu- get better at communicating what you need from them and let them know how that's making you feel, um, which is a great opportunity for you to practice some of this like feeling stuff. Or you may need to distance yourself from those people, right? And that's a very real thing. I've, I've had to go through that myself in really switching friend circles, you know, the, that I outgrew the people that were no longer supporting me in the way that I needed for my growth. And that's okay. You know, I grieved through that. I did, I cleared my, you know, cleared all the stuff that I had around that and, and moved on. So sometimes that's what we have to do. And it's, it's a really tough pill to swallow, but hopefully you don't have to do that. Um, but it is sometimes a part of the process, right? Yeah. And and knowing that you're worth it and knowing that this is important to you is is ultimately what matters most, right? That's right. That's right. You you learn who the true friends really are because they will be the ones to support you. And it's like, it, it, it part of it is like telling people, like, don't tell everybody what you're doing. Tell a few people maybe what you're doing. It's like, it's like if people start doing time-restricted eating, people go bananas over that and, and say you're going to die or this is the worst thing. And it's like, wait, where were you when I was slamming, uh, you know, two pizzas and a six pack right. of beers every night? Like what, you right. didn't care then. Why do you care now? Right. Yeah, that, exactly. Exactly. That's such a great example of that. And I think it's also a really beautiful opportunity to reflect on where we're not communicating effectively because so many times like, you know, we'll, we'll think that, well, I've asked them to support me or I've, I've told them what I need, but we haven't, we haven't. I mean, most of us don't know what we need, right? Like, have we been clear and said, please don't bring sugar into the house or like, or are we just like, can you please support me? <laughs> right? Like, I don't know what that means, right? We have to be clear we have to be clear. And first we have to get clear for ourselves. You know, what things do I actually need here? Right. And, and how do I ask for them? I mean, that I think is a difficult part for a lot of people is like, how do I ask, you know, my best friend to not meet for coffee and cake anymore? Can we go for a walk? Right. Or, you know, and exactly like you said, it really does show, it shows you who's there to really understand and support you and who's, who's going to show up for you in that way and lovingly accept you versus, you know, who's, who's maybe not in a place to do that. Right. right. And, and, you know, it, it can be a tricky, like side byproduct piece of this work. There's a couple of them. I have many clients who have actually in this last program I had, I had three clients quit their jobs because they realized, oh my goodness, this is not what I want. Um, you know, this is, this is a ripple effect, right? For, for when you really connect with your truth. So, you know, it's, it can be tricky, but it's, it is really important to acknowledge the goal here, right? That this, this sense of peace and freedom and really fully living life and it, it's just, it's just, there's no words, right? It is so worth it. And it's so important and you deserve it, right? We all deserve to live life fully and not be asleep, right? Yeah. Be in this like mundane life and be in this guilt, shame cycle. There's actually a way out. There's actually another way to live. And, you know, I, hopefully I can be one example of that. And there's many other examples of that. Like this is, this is not, you know, well, this is my life and I have to deal with it you know, this is, this is an opportunity for you to really start, you know, 
taking taking the life that you deserve, right? And, totally. and going going after it. Totally. I think if we could package that feeling up and give it to people in like a five minute dose of what your life could feel like and be like to not be hooked on sugar all the time, you would think it was amazing. You mentioned your clients. I'm just curious, is there like a specific um, kind of special before and after story that, that quickly comes to mind that you'd love to share? Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, there's so many. So yeah, I'll mention this one client that this is just re- recent. So she's on the top of my mind, Angeline. She um, she started working with me at the beginning of the year and came through one of my like gr- one of my group programs. And she was in this place where she, I mean, all the childhood stuff. She literally had no sense of who she was. She was a twin and just thought she was part of a, a, a pie, right? Like I'm this half, you're that half. And she had no sense of really like who her true self was and what she liked to do, what brought her joy, what, you know, what, what she wanted to do. And this is the same one who's, whose family always tells her you're too healthy, right? So she was very, and she was very disconnected from actually allowing herself to feel, right? She didn't, she didn't feel anything, never cries, never does anything, you know, and as healthy as she was eating, this is, she's actually a really interesting story because she was doing all the things like she had a meditation practice and she walks every day and, you know, she eats really healthy, but then she would snack. Right. And then she would be in this cycle where, you know, she would eat too much and overeat and, and using that to kind of numb out, right. And to escape these, these inner pieces. So through our work over the last couple of months, it's been so beautiful to watch her really like open up to this curiosity and, and actually do some really deep healing work with her parents and work through some of the like big emotions that are coming up. And, um, she had a moment a couple months ago where she was like, I cried for the first time in forever and it felt amazing. And, and she's really noticing like this, you know, sugar doesn't, doesn't really, doesn't matter anymore. Like she doesn't, she doesn't need that. Like she has the tools now, which is really neat when you start practicing this, like when a trigger comes up or an emotion comes up, which it does every day for human beings. Um, you know, she, she has these practices now where she, she goes and and sits out on her deck, right. Or she'll go to her journal or she'll go to for a walk and she'll just like be with herself in a really beautiful way that she never would have done before. So, so really cool watching her kind of open up to that and to see the ripple effect. Her husband is now also wanting to get off sugar and he never was, he was like, that was something we worked through. She was like, he eats so unhealthy. And it was really, it was, it was bothering her, right? It's hard to be in a household where one person's eating like pop and chips and you're off sugar and like doing all these healthy things. So, you know, through that ripple effect and just her showing up differently and, and not, um, having that like expectation with like, I expect him to get healthy because I'm healthy. She let go of a lot of that. And as soon as she did, he was like, huh, I kind of want to start eating like you eat. Right. And he stopped eating the junk and it's been really cool. That's, that's really just happened over the last few months. She's like, ah, he's, he's doing things and I didn't even ask or, or have to do anything. Right. So it's really neat how that kind of ripples out. Yeah. It's been beautiful to watch her just open up to life, right. And unfold it and learn who she really is. It's been really beautiful. Her owning like her style and how she shows up and that she wants to just stay at home and she doesn't want to go out and party and that's okay. Like that's great. Like, you know, she's really, you know, honoring herself in such a beautiful way and setting those boundaries and, 
um, yeah, it's been really, really beautiful to watch, watch her unfold. Wow. Yeah. I love the ripple stories. That's such a cool, uh, way to impact somebody's life. When you realize somebody else's whole entire family decided to change as well. When, you know, the the primary person that you were working with finally got it together. That's amazing. I I love your work. I love how you address this. I love how you help people. I love that it's deeper than just telling people not to eat sugar or what other things they should be eating, but actually going to the root cause and addressing those emotional issues because those can be very, very difficult. So, um, I would love if you could share with our audience where they, where people can find you and connect with you and your work. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. First of all, Casey, thank you so much for having me on. This was such a fun conversation. I absolutely, you're such a great, such a great host. I I loved your questions and yeah, this was really, really beautiful conversation. I can't wait to to share this episode myself and to share it around. Hopefully everybody got a lot out of it. So you can definitely come and find me on my website, danielledame.com. I'm also on Instagram and on Facebook at Danielle Dame as well. I have a YouTube channel and my Beyond Sugar Freedom podcast is the name of my podcast. Definitely come and have a listen. And on my website, you can also find, um, I'm just in the gears. I mean, I don't know when this episode's gonna gonna launch, but I will be hosting my next uh, group program. It's a 10 week program called the Break Free from Sugar program. I'm gonna be hosting that again in the fall of 2022. So if you wanna know more about that, you can come and get on the wait list and connect with me there. That's fantastic. We will link to all of that in the show notes and we will for sure launch this episode before then so that people can go and find that program and make sure they get signed up for that. That sounds like an amazing resource. Danny Dane, thank you so very much again for all that you do. Thank you for your own personal journey. Thank you for being willing to do that difficult, emotional, personal work, but, but also being able to share that with other people through your programs, through your website, through your awesome podcast. I'm just really grateful to host you on the show and really grateful for you and your work. And thank you so much for being on our show today. Thanks, Casey. Yeah, thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. I hope to come back. Absolutely. You'll be back for sure. (laughs) And this has been another episode of Boundless Body Radio. Thank you again so very much for continuing to listen to and support Boundless Body Radio. This little passion project that we started almost two years ago just continues to steadily grow. We are reaching more people than ever, and we keep receiving so many inspirational and amazing messages from you. We see it in all the reviews that we get, and we really appreciate that. So thank you so very much for that. We love understanding which guests you really connect with and which content you really appreciate the most. We wanted to take a second also to give a huge shout out to our amazing guests Yes, we love the people that we've been able to host and all their amazing content in these awesome conversations. And we have to say in the pipeline, we already have lots of great episodes that will be coming to you soon and lots of great guests. Some will be new to the show and others will be familiar to you if you have been listening to our show for a while. So look forward to that on our website, which is myboundlessbody.com. We are still running a lot of the same offers that we have been running for the last few months. These offers are complimentary and we've really had a great time connecting with people all over the world who are taking advantage of these. So if you go to our website, which again is myboundlessbody.com on the main page, you'll find a button that says book. Now you can book either a functional movement screen, which is a movement screening tool used to evaluate movement patterns to optimize mobility, fitness, and injury prevention, 
We do that virtually through Zoom with a bit of creativity. You can book that session, which takes about 30 minutes and is complimentary. You can also see another booking for a 30 minute consultation with us where we can really chat about anything that you like. We can talk about fitness or nutrition or help you come up with a plan for you to be able to reach your goals. As always, it really helps us grow if you leave us a rating and review. So please be sure to go to Apple, leave us a five-star rating and review. And thank you as always for listening to Boundless Body Radio.